Welcome to another episode of LDM, London Digital Nattering. A lot has changed over the last few months. We're in the beginnings of a recession, we're heading into a new normal, and we can't work together as we used to. The future used to belong to in-person interactions, but how is this changing? Processes and tools are important, but individuals and interactions are still vital. So how do we square the circle of working together without being together? How do we stay apart yet combine our creativity and energy? I'm Kieran Hanway, your host, and in this episode, I'll be joined by Andy Scotland, Head of Delivery at Kanos, who has some great insights to share about how to make collaboration work in the age of COVID-19. As usual, you'll find show notes on our site, www.ldnpodcast.com. You can follow us and say hi on Twitter at ldnpodcast. And please do subscribe and leave a review wherever you found us. And now I hope you'll enjoy my conversation with Andy Scotland. Hello, Andy. Hey, Kieran, how are you? Ah, really well, really well, thank you. How are you? Welcome to the show. Thank you very much indeed. Good to be here. Uh, Good to have you here. Right. So, um, Andy, can you tell us a little bit about yourself before we go in and unpick um, this this collaborating in the new reality? So a little bit about myself. So uh, uh, let, let's go back to kind of 2002 for a little little bit about myself. So I um, I joined the BBC in 2002. Before that, I've been a pretty traditional project manager. Walked to this into this kind of organisation that was you know at that point was talking about itself being the the most creative organisation in the world. Uh, kind yeah. of really joining that internet generation, and I came in as this very uh, kind of very Prince Two agile, Prince Two, sorry, uh, project manager. Uh, walked in and thought that's the answer, and then looked around the organisation I was working in and realised that that kind of highly structured approach that Prince Two was uh, proposing ain't, ain't going to work in this environment. Um, and one of my guys handed me uh, the Scrum book, so for my new team, added me the kind of uh, the Scrum book, uh, Ken Schwaber, Mike Beadle book. And, yeah. uh, and I read it over a weekend and it was one of those aha moments that we, we have in our lives every now and then when you kind of go, someone has just codified in a book kind of how I've thought about things but never written down. Um, and that was that was the start for me of, of a kind of a journey through Agile um, and, and everything that's gone beyond it. Uh, I was at the BBC at an interesting time. Uh, my brother, Carl Scotland, was also there. He was He was a big XP advocate at that point. I was a scrum advocate. He came from a very much from a programming background. I was coming at it from a, I guess, a delivery project management background. Um, but I think what I've realised over over that the course of time since then, so what, 18 years now, makes me feel old, um, wow. is that this is all about all about people, all about interactions, how people work together, um, and it's all about direction. It's all about knowing knowing where you're going. And perhaps as, as we get to the end of it. You know, one of the things that's really interesting me at the moment is strategy and kind of looking at kind of how strategy is important to to agile um so yeah so so from the bbc uh, i spent seven years at the bbc uh was part of a group that introduced agile into the bbc um went from the bbc to a very different environment um at deutsche bank um and again tried to apply or worked with agile in in that environment but also did a number of really interesting roles there uh, away from kind of project management so things like information security organizational design stuff how, how do you kind of make development centers work in lots of different parts of the world with lots of different cultures 
um, and then went from the BBC into consulting. So two years at, a, at another consultancy, and then Kalos. Mm. Uh, but the common thread has been has been agile and people, and and how do you how do you help teams deliver value uh, faster, better um, than than perhaps they are when you when you arrive. So I mean, that what a journey that's been, and uh, you know, especially um, certainly in my experience, everybody I've met from from the BBC stable you know they immediately got through the door for interview whenever i was hiring um because you kind of knew that these people were solid agile practitioners and really good delivery people um so to have been part of making that happen is um wow what an amazing story uh, and what a great journey but i guess one of the uh, i think the thing that we're looking to sort of unpick a little bit today is um since we're talking about agile we're in this new reality yeah, you know we're in we're in the post-apocalyptic wasteland. Why was that hard to say? The post-apocalyptic wasteland <laughs> of uh, COVID-19, and and uh, one of the things that I've certainly been struggling with over the past six months has been um, the individuals and interactions over processes and tools. And and when I in my work, what I love doing is really getting physically together with people and making cool stuff happen. And I, what I was hoping we'd unpick today is, is you know, your experiences in doing that. Um, I know that um, you've been leading some very interesting work in this field. Yeah. Um, and and so it'd be great to talk a little bit about what is the impact that COVID has had on on how we work together with our clients and how we do stuff. So I think, you know, you mentioned individuals and interactions over processes and tools, you know, customer collaboration over contract negotiation. Those those values, I think, uh, almost for me have become even more relevant over the last six months. Right. Um, and actually, it's the, the first time I've, got, I've gone back to it. So I, I run these big, uh, big agile planning workshops. I've been running them over the last few years for, for one of our customers over in Germany. It's, it's tends to be in a room together. We all be sat in a room together, as you described, very physical close proximity um you know post-its whiteboards you know planning walls all that good stuff that that, that you'd expect to see in a, in a kind of agile planning environment and you know, the 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 interesting story for me with, with with this was i was due to head fly out to frankfurt to run one of these uh the the the, the monday that lockdown happened effectively um, or, or was we anticipating lockdown and certainly Germany was going to lockdown so we knew we couldn't fly out there and on the Thursday we said well we're running this workshop next Tuesday Wednesday uh, we now need to do it virtually and how are we going to do it um, uh, and you know at the start of that workshop that I ran virtually the first thing I went through were those those agile values because the reality of running agile planning particularly agile planning at scale is if you're doing it virtually is you need tools yeah you need tools to do it um and the danger of those tools is everybody focuses on the tool mm. rather than and forgets that actually this is about talking to each other you know and if you're in a big program and you're one of those scaled agile environments the thing that you need to talk about is dependencies is when you need things from other teams um and it's not about putting them on a list and uh and treating them as somebody else's problem that it's, it's about talking to each other about it uh, and about those 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 dependencies so uh you know that that those those agile values that that needing to talk to each other is vital um uh, when you when you've kind of got you're entirely dependent on tools yeah right exactly so it's less about the tools and more about 
the principle. And, and using those tools to facilitate the conversations rather than get in the way of those conversations. Yeah. Um, and finding the, the right tools and the right mix of tools. So, so for, for, you know, we used Miro, yeah. other kind of canvas products are on the, available on the market. That was the one we happened to uh, happen to choose. Is that, is that your um, BBC heritage kicking? <laughs> other, other products are available. Maybe, maybe it is. It's just ingrained, yeah. ingrained. Those editorial. It's funny. I was I was clearing out my study and I still found the uh, the editorial standards book in on on my on my shelves. It's interesting. They're, they were still there. They're not being thrown away. Um, I digress. Uh, so um, so yeah. So so you know we use Mural. Um, uh, and for me. You know, when, when I'm designing any workshop, I kind of the first thing I think about is is what's the journey I'm taking people on through that workshop. You know that you're taking people on a journey through a day or through two days, uh, and you've got to have some way of visualizing that journey. Right, you've got to visualize yeah. that flow. But but equally, you've got to be ready to to improvise. You've got to be ready to flex around that flow because people are on unpredictable things. And and if you're facilitating facilitating that workshop. The trap you mustn't fall into is trying to force people along the path you've defined because people may find other paths um, and find other ways. And your job as a facilitator in those situations is either to coax people gently back on or kind of go, actually, that's quite an interesting direction you're going there. Let's give that a try. Um, And so those workshops, you know, if you think about that kind of the Deming cycle, that plan, do, check act, adjust, whatever you want to use that A for. Um, I find I'm continually doing that through the day as well as doing it at the the end of those workshops. Um, And so the the tools, so the the tools got to be flexible enough to allow you to to do that. And and tools like Mural are are fantastic because they're almost as good as having a whiteboard. They're almost as good as shoving another couple of sheets of, uh, of, you know, of, 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 flip chart paper up on the wall and getting a white ball pen out and drawing stuff on there. Right. Um, uh, so yeah, so, so look, that, 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 that yours a brilliant tool because it doesn't, it doesn't get in the way. Um, it gets a little bit, it takes a little bit of getting used to, you know, some of those keyboard shortcuts and learning how you do <laughs> things. Uh, those are the things that get in the way, uh, but you learn those along the journey. And what's, what's, what was fascinating for me was it was the first time I was using Mural, but it was the first time everybody else was using Mural. So, right. so, so we're all on that journey together. Right, um, right. Well, so, so, so mural as a canvas that that became that became our virtual room, uh, and it had the flexibility of a virtual room. Um, uh, first time round, we we used we used blue jeans as our as our video conferencing. We're now using yep. Teams, um, yep. and we use Slack um, as our kind of chat channel, back channel. Um, so, so you know, uh, it wasn't just me facilitating the, the the workshop. There were there were a number of other people from various teams in there. And when you're when you're running those workshops, you're with, you, you're not always aware of it when you're doing it in person in a room with people. But there's loads of feedback that's coming to you. Yeah. Body language, conversations that that are that are like visual back channels. Um, you know, people coming over and chatting your ear while you're in a breakout. What about this? What about that? So things like Slack teams became that back channel. And actually, that was really powerful for me because it gave me a constant feedback mechanism from a bunch of people because you forget things. You don't spot something in that environment. Um, you realize that other people are having back channel conversations in the workshop. 
Um, and what's important is that information is flowing back to you and you're getting that feedback. Right. And, and that's, uh, that, that, that's something that in, you know, my speaking for myself here, many years of facilitating stuff, uh, I've sort of worked on my muscles for quote unquote holding space, you know, yeah. running a room, managing a room, yeah. observing behavior, body language is really, you know, if you've got a, an eye for that kind of thing, then you can pick up and include the people who need to be included. Yeah. Uh, and that's really, really hard in a virtual environment. And there are it a lot is. of new muscles. So, so let, let's, let's unpick some of like how to approach, um, how to, how to approach setting it up. So maybe if we could look at, yeah. So, so I mean, also one of the things I've noticed, and maybe th this will dovetail nicely into how to set up the thing for success in the first place, is um, it kind of became apparent to me at the beginning of um, lockdown, having to run a few meetings, just how lazy we'd become in terms of setting up things for success and meeting yeah. discipline. Um, you know, the number of times I've clicked accept on a meeting invite where there's no agenda there's no stated purpose yeah. for any of that yeah. and just being really really clear from the get-go why are we having i think you touched on this earlier you know what's the direction of travel and yeah. and then you can moderate whether or not yeah. this tangent is a good tangent so could we explore like how to set the yeah. thing up well really good really yeah. good point q so, so look yeah. i think there's a couple of elements there one is one is is you know we're we're, we're planning in these workshops the direction of a product that's that's going to market that a business is dependent on for generating revenue um, and during COVID that's even more important uh, for any business right so, so some of it is, is what's the thing we're building you know what's what's the thing we're building in this next you know we're, we're using we're working it we're planning uh, four weeks of delivery two weeks of innovation yep. in these workshops so it's yep. a kind of safe style um, planning workshop um, so being really clear around what we're building and actually as, as a if we pick on that first, right, because the second thing is, what are the activities we're doing the, during the day and do people understand those activities? So if you split it into those two things. So if the, the first thing is what we're building. As a program, actually moving to a virtual environment, as you say, kind of really forced us to be really disciplined about being clear about what we were building. Because one of the things that used to happen in those planning workshops is if we got to something that we didn't quite understand we'd pivot the workshop and it would turn into a bit of a design session right and we'd and there'll be a bit of an architecture session and we kind of go right are we all clear now, now do we understand what we're building yeah now we knew that we didn't have the time or the 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 tools even even having a great tool like uh, like Miro or mural wasn't going to help us if we if we weren't prepped for it so the first thing we did was you know, and, and actually there's a lot of activity in a very short space of term, time for that first workshop was let's be absolutely crystal clear that everybody knows what we're building. So it forced a lot of discipline around being clear around the features we were building, making sure the architects, the data guys, the, the, the UX team, the product team all knew and were all aligned on what we were building. And we just used simple to we used confluence. Right. And we had each feature in confluence. And we just used a simple, you know, it seems obvious now, a simple checklist to say, right, what's this feature? Which team do we think are impacted? Uh, they need to make changes. 
that they all understand and we're working in platform teams we're not working in feature teams we've got platform teams because we're in a very in a multi-vendor multi-location environment in this particular program so the first thing is does everybody understand what we're building um and that went right you know first time around um actually a huge amount of effort by everybody to make it work it was amazing right it was amazing to watch a group of people come together to, to kind of make it work on the, over those two days uh, and actually what we've done it that first time it was amazing how everybody sort of, sort of clicked into into gear and realized we've got to we've got to do this next time because that workshop was so much more productive Brilliant. and much, so much more successful so almost realizing in that point of adversity if you like that something something had to change so there's that if you if you're running that virtual workshop if you're running that distributed workshop using mural using teams using using slack the, the first thing is does everybody understand what we're building and why we're building it? Um, and you know, and, and you know, we've now run three planning workshops since that first one. We've done our third one, fourth one's coming up in September. Uh, and each time we've got better at what are we building and why are we building it to the point where we're now kind of starting to show business metrics. How's the product succeeding before we start? And, and actually going, and we're seeing some problems here, so that's why we're focusing on this now. Mm. So the whole product mentality is kind of not shifted up a gear, it's shifted up several gears, um, which is, and it's brought, you know, one of the things you often see in organizations, you know, and you'll see it too, Kieran, is is kind of the product team and the and the technology team, if you like, are kind of two separate organizations that, that sometimes work in harmony and sometimes work in conflict. Yeah. Um, uh, and there's you know there's tension there, and actually it's brought that together. And certainly the last the last planning workshop we all sat kind of after we had our retrospective afterwards had gone, that felt like a single product team now, and that was that was phenomenal, right? That was spine tinglingly good, right? Um, <laughs> so that's so that's one of it, right? So so that that's part of it. Um, so that is uh, before before people even get in the room, everybody should kind of be on the same page, same right? Page. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What we're building and why we're building it you'll still hit challenges right so the challenge is sometimes that we don't know how long it's going to build how, how long it's going to take to build we've not really always scratched under the, the surface of the complexity of building it from a development point of view and so the things that happen in those workshops is you suddenly find that one team's overloaded and other teams are, are, are less overloaded uh, and you have to deal with that and, and i think that's you know we deal with that by having a bunch of stuff that's important but perhaps lower priority that's platform specific. Yeah. Um, that is there in the backlog that says, right, there's some other stuff we can pick up. So it might be platform improvements. It might enable us for future, future, future uh, features that some of the teams have to do. But, you know, as I say, you've got to be ready to improvise and pivot within the workshop because you, you know, some teams will suddenly go, actually, that's a lot more because they've all done some t-shirt sizing before the workshop, the planning workshop. But once you get into it, suddenly other things you know it's very nature it's emergent um and so you need to be ready to deal with it um but if everybody's clear on where we're going and what the priorities are it makes that a lot easier to pivot around during the course of the day particularly in a virtual environment yeah right so so that's 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 part of the prep and the other prep is is you know how do you run the day and and does everybody understand how the day is going to run um, so having a clear agenda, you, you talked about that and designing that agenda up front and designing around the fact that uh, 
people are not sat in a room together. So right from the start, you know, again that that Deming cycle, that plan do check. That was that was how we framed the the, the two days of the workshop. We'll set the scene. We'll do an introduction section. We'll make sure everybody understands the features we're going to we're planning to build during the during this increment of work, and then we're clear on the priorities. And then the teams can go away and pull stuff from the backlog to start planning it. And it's usually an hour to an hour and a half of planning. Yeah. And then 45 minutes to an hour of check in and adjust. And so you're 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 saying, well, there's the features. Off you go, teams. Go away and plan in your teams. Remember to talk to other teams. <laughs> yeah. Through that planning. Whether it's joining, and, and we have now now we're using Microsoft Teams. We have we have different rooms, right? We have yeah. the main planning room, and then we have, if you like, the syndicate rooms for each of the teams. And we have a a kind of facilitation leadership team room as well. That's how we structure the rooms. And the teams so people, go through. So people on. drop out of their different team rooms. They 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 have little yeah. virtual huddles and then drop back into their teams. And yeah, so they'll they'll go from the main room to their individual team rooms. And they know where all the other teams rooms are. So if someone needs to drop off out of their team, so if you're, say, the Scrum Master or Architect in one team and you've got a question that might be a design question or a dependency question, you can drop out of your team room, drop into another team room. Uh, it might be that that team's room is speaking in Croatian and they've been talking in Polish. There's a common language of English that runs through the program. We're yep. fortunate about. And yep. They'll drop in. They'll have the conversation and then drop back up and drop into their own room. So, so the teams are talking, and then we, as that, as if you like the, the the facilitation team, are also dropping into those rooms to check in on them. How are you doing? Any blockers? Um, just to support and, and help make those connections, because we all know that what the teams get into that, you know, that flow of planning. Sometimes, by no intention, they'll forget that they're planning with other teams. Um, so part of our job as facilitators is to drop in and kind of make sure those connections are being made. So they go away, do their hour of planning, and then we'll have a, a check-in. And usually the first check-in is a pretty quick one. Yeah. Uh, because the team's probably only made a small amount of progress in that first hour, uh, or that first hour and a half. We'll have a quick check-in. Where's everybody up to? But if we need to, if like, provoke, invoke conversations across teams, that's when we do it. But that means that everybody everybody starts to see the overall plan emerge, um, and I think you know if I think about how we progress through the different workshops, the first workshop, everybody kind of created their own plan. Yeah. And then there was a mad panic at the end to get it onto an overall program board, uh, and it became very, you know, we we weren't really sure whether we had a good plan or not. We knew everybody had planned, but was the plan coherent as a whole uh, across? three or four sprints worth of work. Right. So, so to understand that, so um, people go off into their own little groups, they plan, but they might be planning in their own different ways, presumably yeah. with their own. What, so what are the, I can imagine one of the, one of the challenges you might have would be that some people include contingency and some don't. So how do you standardize? Yeah. So, yes. Yeah, so, 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 so there's a few things that we kind of, you know, right from day one. And I guess these were these were disciplines that we'd already we'd already established because, you know, we, you know, we were in the fortunate situation on this occasion of, of, of the teams having an established set of working practices. But, yeah. you know, we knew there were things like releases um, that, that had to be done. We knew that we had a live product. So there might be support issues. 
So we, we said to all the teams, you know, once you've looked at your capacity as a team, look at how much that capacity you need to cope with the releases we know we've got planned and how much that capacity you're going to deal with, you know, either, you know, production issues or, were, you know, it, it would be lovely, you know, to be in this beautiful, fully DevOps release on demand world, but we're not. So so there's this QA activity going on in parallel. So, you know, we talk about planned and unplanned work. You know, if you're thinking about lean, if you're thinking about kind of, you know, uh, lean principles, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that we take into account that unplanned work, right? There's a bunch of stuff that is going to hit us that we can't plan for. So let's allocate some capacity for it. And all the teams allocate the same amount of capacity. That was right. the kind of rule we had. Um, so, we, so we knew, and that was part of the check-in, you know, once you check in, you know, the, the teams are, um, the teams are kind of planning against their capacity. They're trying to get them to do that. So for each sprint, as we're coming back at that sink, at that sink point, we're understanding how much the capacity of the teams used, um, over the course of it. And, it, and it's interesting, you know, I've talked about Miro. I've talked about teams and, and Slack. We're also using, uh, or we have been using in the last couple of, uh, planning events, Jira and big picture as part of our of, of end of day one and end of day two. Um, not, not as part of our planning, but almost as a way of, right, let's start moving that plan off Miro into Jira. Cause yeah. actually we can start to look at some proper numbers there across the teams. Um, and you know, there was a point when everybody said, well, if we don't want to use Miro, if we're using big picture, let's do our planning in big picture and a bit of a debate around, is that really flexible enough for us? If you think about what we're doing in, in Miro during the day, um, and I think there's an understanding that yes, we're kind of there's a bit of a duplication there. We're doing a whole of planning, we're creating all our cards in Miro, and then we're having to translate them into into Jira. But I think everybody's realised now that Miro is there to facilitate facilitate the event, um, and the power is in the facilitation of the event. You know, big picture gives us a view of things like capacity and demand. Um, it, it's, it gives us a view of some of those key dependencies in, in, mm. in Jira, mm. but but we've not. It kind of goes back to that processes and tools, you know, piece of actually we realised that if we were using Jira, it would get in the way, but Miro was less likely to get in the way. Right. So so you're doing your collaborative, fluid, fluent uh, planning and and collaborative work on Miro, and then somebody at the end of the day is scrubbing up and yeah. trying to make it yeah yeah usable in jira for actual in anger yes. development That's and cool. it's interesting it's it's it's, it's the, the interesting thing is that you know work across, working across uh three time zones so we've got you know me and, and and some people in in the uk yeah uh we've got teams in central europe and we've got teams in eastern europe um and and actually at the end of the day that time zone difference is really helpful because whilst yeah. I'm, uh, you know, I might be wrapping up at three, say, say three o'clock, um, but for teams, they've got some of the teams in Central Europe have then got an hour to do some of their translation into 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 um, Jira. But equally, in the morning, they're starting before we are. So I might right. be starting at eleven o'clock, uh, but they've they've got time. They've got time before that. I'm getting my time zones confused. I'm sure. I know. I, I'm, 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 I, I'm guessing you meant eleven o'clock their time. Their their time. Is, yeah. Is, it means they've got two hours at the beginning of the day before I'm starting at, at right. 
nine o'clock yeah. to do their stuff. Um, yeah. So, so we've, you know, the other thing I've learned is that that uh, sometimes we think of time zones as a disadvantage. Actually, they can, they can in this situation, they can be an advantage because you use that time really effectively for the teams to kind of do a bit of work before the day. Um, so again, that that's all part of the uh, that's all part of the agendas, right? So, so we kind of talking about what are the things we need to do. So the teams know, you know, before we start, this is how the day's structured. Um, really, little important things from the first time, you know, you, you'd have thought if everybody was sat at home mm. planning, mm. they they'd get up and go and use the loo, or go and make them get themselves a drink or a cup of coffee because they're there. But actually, people weren't. The, feed, the biggest piece of feedback from the end of that first planning session about how the event had gone was we didn't have enough breaks. All right. it, blew, it blew my mind. But, 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 but actually, you realise that even if you're in a virtual environment where you think people have got the flexibility to pop out the room, make a cup of tea, a cup of coffee, get a glass of water, um, they don't. Well, or, they, they, or they weren't. Andy, um, maybe they were maybe they were so enraptured by. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I'd, I'd love to think I'd love to think that, but I, I'm sure there's something around uh, human behaviour there. Uh, so so little things like you know, there are 15 minute breaks planned into that agenda, as, right. as you would with any workshop, but, yeah. but they're planned into that virtual workshop. Don't make assumptions about the fact that just because they're in a different environment, they're going to behave differently. Um, they were still dedicated to sticking with the planning. So making sure there's breaks. And, and I think the other thing is, you know, making sure the day's not too long. Um, because I'm sure we've all found that in this world of Teams, Zoom, Blue, uh, uh, Blue Jeans, whatever tool we're using, um, spending time on a video conference or audio conference is more wearing and more tiring than we all think. So oh, yeah. making sure there's that half that, that an hour for lunch, 15 minutes, and we're really disciplined about that. We don't use that as contingency anymore. We have the break for an hour. We'll yeah. find other ways of making up that time. I've I've noticed this too. Um, uh, certainly across the practice that I lead at the moment, uh, Zoom fatigue. Yeah. Everybody is knackered from it. And then, and personally speaking, I I'm now getting physiotherapy for uh, bad lower back pain yeah. because. Yeah. I, for the past six months, I have been sitting all day. Yeah. I'm not moving. At least in a workshop, you're walking around yes. and yes. yeah, um, and you're sitting. They say point. sitting is the new smoking. Uh, <laughs> I've heard that said. So that's great. I think um, so. For some of the people uh, listening to this episode, um, they may be trying this out with maybe a new team or yeah. in a new context. Um, certainly, what you've described, you've had a really great. Um, advantage in mm. that as we entered lockdown you were working with teams that already kind of knew each other yeah. and and you already you probably met maybe for a couple of socials uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, and you kind of recognized each other what 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 would you um recommend to our listeners uh for you know trying to build that rapport and trust so, so i think there's two things there so, so we've you know we talked about do we understand what we're building and how we're going to build it so I think using that as an opportunity to get teams together in smaller groups, share the vision. Don't don't, don't expect teams just to get it on the day. Use that as an opportunity. Uh, and also, if you're in a multi-vendor, multi-location, don't be don't be siloed about sharing that information. Right? Find 
interesting ways of combining teams. So if you've got two or three suppliers with th two or three teams, rather than talking to each supplier team, either try and mix the teams up or mix the leads from the teams up and get the key people together. So, so they've, they, they've got a shared vision that, that they're starting to understand their role in building whatever you're building um, and, yep. and understanding those interactions. Um, so I think that is kind of lay a bit of runway with, with the teams. Um, make sure they all have a shared vision of what you're building. Make sure that particular things like, you know, things like wireframes, you know, t t teams seeing the wireframes or the design of the thing they're building is a great unifying activity for the mm -hmm. teams because it brings it together. And it also becomes a challenging thing because the teams will look at it and go, I'm not sure how we're going to do that. I'm not sure how we're to do that. So that's that's one part. Uh, and also a kind of really high level of shared view of the architecture. Um, yeah. uh, you know, kind of do we all understand, you know, how we're building? Do we understand the slice of the architecture we're building? Um, and I think for us on our program is, you know, I think sometimes we forget about data. Um, and a, a lot of the things we're building is about, you know, for complex systems is is what's the data we're moving around? Where's yeah. that data? Where's the where's the golden source for that data? Where's it coming from? Um, so there's the user, there's the user experience and who the users are and and and, and their experience. So the, the architecture, but do we understand kind of what's flowing through the architecture in terms of data information? Uh, I think having that conversation before you get to the workshop means that there's you've sort of built a a common thread a common set of understanding around around what they're building uh, and also uh, and this was true for even for the teams is kind of dry run the workshop with people so so what i did uh you know over that kind of rapid preparation time for the event was you know almost for me as i was designing the mirror board i was at that point talking to the teams saying right so the mirror board is going to look like this so when you're walking on the day you're going to have an area here and it's going to have a bunch of feature tickets in it and there's going to be your planning space here and there's going to be an area for your capture risks and, and almost walking them through kind of how the day is going to flow and actually you know physically moving you know i had a i had tickets on the board and i said right so i'm going to take this card in mirror we're going to drop it here Mm. You're going to break it out. You're going to create these kind of story cards and dependency cards, and you're going to put some risks here. And then once you've done that, you're going to move them over here. So they understood before they walked into the room broadly how the day was going to flow. And also it gave them a chance to give me feedback. So so they contributed to the construction of the day as well. So if they right. said, actually, I'm not sure how you're going to, this is going to work. Um, I'm not sure how that's going to work. Um, could we do this, you know, being open to suggestion and not being, you know, there's a, you, the investment in creating those mirror boards could be quite high. And so you can become, you know, the, the investment in getting a whiteboard out and a rubber on a white, in, you know, and a, and, a, and a pen and scribbling on it and rubbing it out is low. Yeah. And a mirror board. And that's the problem with tools, right? That's, that's, that's why, you know, you have to be careful about using tools because, because the investment in setting them up is quite high and therefore mm. you, subconsciously can resent having to change it. Um, so getting that feedback is, is really important, um, but also getting people aware of it. Um, and also just remind me of something. So, so you know, the, 
we have a retrospective at the end of the event on the event itself. Um, uh, and that's a really good way of finding out, you know, things, interesting things. So I'm sat at home, I'm sat in front of a, a 32 inch monitor, uh, you know, ha- happy days. I've got yeah. Miro on there full screen. Um, and it's really easy for me. I can, I can see a lot on my screen. Um, what I'd failed to take into account in those, in that first couple of events is that a lot of the guys sat out in one of our, one of the partner teams in Croatia were all on laptops at home. Right. Right. So they're squinting. So there was me flying around the screen and they're kind of, I am speaking in English, not their first language. I'm on a 32 inch monitor and they're on a, you know, 13 inch, 13 inch screen. You know, I was going too fast for them on, on yeah. so many levels. So just those little things, and, and you, you only learn that through the experience, but actually building in that, you know, having that open, transparent relationship with the teams and building that from day one and saying, I, I welcome from you the things that, you know, either at the end of the event or during the event, just tell me and I'll try and adapt to them. Um, as a facility. I think that's absolutely key because you learn a lot. So I, I, I you know, I was lucky because I had those teams that I'd worked with before, but I think I've probably got an even better relationship with those teams now because um, for- it forces me to reflect throughout the workshop. So, yeah, I think to, to go back to the question, how, how, would you, how would you start with this is, yeah, kind of make sure you've, you've spent time with the teams as a facilitator, as, as, a, as a kind of lead for the event to make sure, and, and, with, the, and with the leads within the team you're working with to say, it's only clear on what we're building start to build those interactions and those relationships early. Um, make sure people really understand how the day's going to flow, but make sure they understand you're open to suggestion about how things could change. Mm. And you're never running just the one event. You're going to be doing this multiple times, I'm pretty certain. So, yeah. so run that retrospective at the end on the event, really focused on the event, so that you get the feedback from the team because they'll have learned stuff as well as you. So you can try and make some improvements to the next event. Well, that 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 idea about doing the basically the thread running through this is Deming, right? Yes, it is. All it the is. Way through. It's all the way through. It's yeah. through the day. It's through. It's through the and it's through the multiple events. And it's through the prep. It's through I the mean, prep. Yeah. 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 You've talked about. You've talked. Uh, I think that's a really great idea. Is um, do a dry run of the tooling to make sure yeah. that everybody feels fluent about it. It's yeah. su- superb. Yeah. Um, so so before we kind of um, move back into let's summarize kind of the key takeaways for people, um, we touched earlier on having uh, trusted co-facilitators to help you organize yeah. things. So could you um, could you share with listeners how that would work well or how, how what you've discovered? Yeah. So, so I think there's, um, so, so there's, there's a bit of a. Uh, I guess a, a leadership team piece to that is so. So who are the key people? So yep. so that that team is you know me as kind of I guess the lead facilitator. Yeah. Um. Uh. There is um. Uh. We've got a facilitator from uh, kind of a lead facilitator from one of the other supplier teams. Yeah. So we've got one supplier with them that 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 are uh, that helps with that group of teams. Um. So that they're kind of focused on that team, and, and there's a bit of a language thing there. So 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 he speaks the language of those teams. Um, his mother tongue is the language of those teams. Yeah. Um, we, we've got program director, uh, lead delivery manager from the customer that are in there. 
Um, uh, and they've been, you know, as I said, we're kind of using a safe, safe style approach. Um, so one of those guys is a, is a, is a safe, you know, safe practitioner as well. Um, so he kind of knows, but, but he's not dogmatic about the safe approach, right? I think that's the important thing is I kind of treat safe as a, as a toolbox. Yeah, um, so, so he's, he's another, another, he's a, he's another, another craftsman. That, that, so you're that borrowing useful about. things from it that you like. Yeah. But, but and then, um, so are you using release trains and all of that stuff? Yeah, so it's that that concept of release trains is, is kind of what we're what, what we're working with. Um, and then and then the product the product lead right uh, the, the, the 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 person responsible for the overall product is in that in that team um, because if there's questions around product either from his own from the, from members of the, the product management team or from from the other teams he kind of can answer that so so it's, it's uh, and we are you know whilst i'm perhaps the person facilitating what's happening in the main room and that main board we all have a role in dropping in and out of those teams gathering feedback understanding where things are perhaps going wrong and need some course correction and typically you know at the end of that first day you know we have a wash up um, and we you know it's it's a, it's another adjustment point what, what adjustments do we need to make for tomorrow is there is there a team that's particularly struggling that we're concerned about how do we support that team you know yeah. it's no good going and beating that team up you know that that's that you know what you've got to do is say how can we help you you know what do you need from the three of us the four of us that's going to help you kind of get through the rest of the day because um what's important at the end of that day is uh you've got you've got completely planned features and it's it's that i guess our, our job our job is to ensure the teams are uh, are kind of applying that stop starting and start finishing kind of mentality to the planning day right, right. there's a real danger that they kind of they get stuck on something and just pick the next thing off the board and what i always say at the start of the day is what's important is we have features completely planned if you get stuck during planning don't go and pull the next thing because you're stuck. Make sure you plan to completion on that feature. And if you need help, do it. Because the worst thing you could possibly do at the end of that t- that time that you've invested is to have, I'd rather, I always say, I'd rather have five things completed fif- completely than 15 things partially, partially yeah. planned. Yeah, yeah. And, it's, and it's, it's, again, it, it is that, you know, those agile principles throughout that, that it's important that you get things to completion, right? So if you think about those features in those two days as, releasing things as ready ready to ready ready to develop that that's the mentality we have to it um, yeah and, pre- and presumably the the things that they're working their way down through are the things in the priority that's required by the business yes yeah so so if they skip any of those high priority things and move on to other stuff they're yes. uh, they're answering an easier question but a less valuable one yes and, yeah. and it's interesting that's that's you know if i think about the last planning workshop you know one of the things we're working on is making sure that those priorities are, are really clear on our on our feature backlog. Last time they perhaps weren't as clear. That was the feedback from the teams that we weren't quite sure, you know, what, what we should pull next sometimes. Yeah. Um, and that's really important. Is it's got to be absolutely because because you want the teams to be self-organised. So it's got to be absolutely clear to them what are they going to pull next once they finish that planning. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, that that makes your life easier as well as a facilitator. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, so, um, so, so, kind of to wrap up that part of the guidance for people who are looking to to take away some things. So, what would be the say five tweets that people would take away? Five uh, tweets. Five tweets. Um, preparation, preparation, preparation. Okay. Um, 
you know, so maybe split that preparation in terms of make sure your team understands what they're going to build, yep. what they're going to develop during that increment. Make sure your teams understand how the day is going to run. As a facilitator, be prepared to pivot and improvise through the days. Brilliant. You know, it's that old, you know, responding to change rather than following the plan. Yeah. Just because you planned the agenda, don't dogmatically stick to it. You might have to pivot and adjust. Um, focus on tools that are going to generate collaboration and communication. So that's that Jira versus Miro, right? Mm-hmm. Jira is less likely to generate collaboration. Miro is absolutely going to generate collaboration. And if you've not seen Miro, I don't know. I've not. I've not used Miro, but what's brilliant as a facilitator is you can see everybody working. You can see these little icons of names. Yeah, right. You can see the activity like busy bees around the plan, right? So yeah. You can see it, and and, it, and it's so, and everybody can see it. Um, so it kind of drives that collaboration. Um, and 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 I think communication. Right. It, it, it's communication throughout is making sure the teams are staying in touch with each other. You're staying in touch with the teams and you're provoking feedback throughout the throughout the event. So you're so you're able to pivot and facilitate. Is that five? Is that a good five? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> um, uh, and you yeah, kept yeah. it to tweets pretty much. I did. The few enough characters in my. Uh... <laughs> so what's next in the new normal, do you think? So this is the new normal, I think. Right. So yeah. I, I don't we, ha- we don't have a vaccine. Um, we're probably going to be working remotely like this. You anyway will be by the sounds mm-hmm. of it, because you're working mm-hmm. across multiple time zones anyway. So even if we did have a vaccine and even if COVID just disappeared tomorrow, you would be presumably still working like this because i think people are realizing that it's a good effective and still relatively cheap way of doing stuff yeah um is that right is that the client notice i think the other thing that i've you know i've reflected on is you know if you're flying 30 or 40 people from various places in europe to one location there's an environmental impact to that as well so i think there's a there's an environmental element to this that 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 I, i think is really positive you know yeah it's not just cost, the, the cost in terms of euros, pounds, dollars, you know, it's it's the cost of the environment. So I think that's, uh, I think it's it's certainly changed my mindset. Yeah. And, and I think it's about people realizing that it will work. I, I think that the tools will improve. So I think that the mirrors, uh, et cetera, will improve. Mm-hmm. Um I've, uh, I can't help feeling it's going to really, to be successful, organisations are going to have to think about product much more carefully than perhaps they do at the moment. If, if you're going to run at a planning event, what what is the most valuable stuff we've got to plan? Do right. we know Do we know how we're going to build it? Do we know why we're building it? I, I, I think it's going to, you know, my sense is it, it, with with the, with the stuff I've done that it's it's driving that you know it's driven a step change um in 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 kind of how we plan and what we plan um so i i just you kind of asking asking what's next in this in this i think it's i i think teams will will, will get better at planning 
I, I think we will get better at planning incrementally. We'll get better. It'll drive us to think about how do we release more frequently. You know, so 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 you know, how do we get genuinely leaner as organisations mm. um, to, to to deliver the the right product as quickly as possible to market incrementally? I I, I genuinely think it's gonna gonna force our organisations to think about that in, in a way that that they have to take seriously um, because. I, I can't see any other way of of, of doing it because other than going back to bad old waterfall days, you know, that's that's the alternative, isn't it? Is to say, well, because we're in different places, we're going to write everything down in a big spec, and we'll go away and design it, and 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 then all these terms, and we, and we know that doesn't doesn't work in this context. It doesn't. Uh, it'd be heartbreaking. It'd be heartbreaking. I think it would be heartbreaking. But but I think that the, the in the environment we're going into, global recession, all that stuff, creating value for your customers and your users um, is is absolutely key. And I think the world knows now that that's about being quick to market with great products at a really good quality and yeah. really focusing on the, on the user and the value. Um, and I think you, the only way you can do that is incrementally. So I think that's that. I, I, I take real heart from, the, from having to plan this way almost. Uh, and I didn't think that, right? Uh, back in March when I first had to do it, I just thought this is going to be a disaster. It's never going to work. <laughs> you know, I remember those first few days just actually having to press the reset button several times on my own mindset to kind of go, no, we can do this. Um, um, and if organizations are struggling with doing it and worrying about it is, you know, the best thing is to step outside that comfort zone and try it uh, and, and be brave and try it. Uh, because until you've tried it, you won't realize that, what works and what doesn't work and what you have to adjust. Well, the virus isn't going anywhere. Um, no. So it's definitely creating that burning platform for people yeah. to to make a change. So um, so that's brilliant. And on the environmental point, you know, that's also really heartening. I remember at the beginning of lockdown, hearing the birds, I mean, it could have just been coincidence with spring, but really noticing animals more. I live near a park, really yeah. noticing the animals that were out, the air was clean. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't have allergies for ages. It was wonderful. Um, yeah. And and maybe maybe this is the start of a, a massive societal change as well. Uh, don't get me wrong. You know, I still think it's important to get people together. Yeah. The, yes. the, the, the worst part actually of those planning days is getting to the end and realizing actually a group of people that particularly that you know when I've worked with those I've worked with these teams for two years and part of it was the the social aspect of it all going out for a bite to eat and a drink at the end of that first planning day was all part of it. And and that that's gone at the moment. And I think yeah. that's the sad thing. It's not, I think we've learned to plan. I think we all miss the social piece. And uh, it just reminded me, you know, a big part of all those days uh, is having some fun. You know, uh, the first time it was a silly hats day, right? <laughs> so we started day two with every wearing silly hats uh so the second, yeah uh, the, the last one we've done um we got the teams to do tiktok move tiktok style movies right cool. so that so that, so that they could play them back so the after lunch on day two the teams that had done it played the movies we all had a good laugh um the start of the day we kind of had uh you know uh friends it was called the friends and family photo where we all had to turn up on teams with with some kind of costume on it was yeah 
gin and tonic, I think was the theme. So all, all cocktails and drinking gin and tonic. That was the that was the picture theme. Uh, each team came on teams, took a snapshot, and we ended up with a big family photo of the whole program. So little things like that. So make it fun. I mean, I completely forgot about that until you mentioned that. And I'm glad you did because that is the danger of, of being virtuous. You forget that actually doing these planning workshops is, is really good fun sometimes. Yeah, right. Um, and, and, and the fun is in, is in the kind of jokes and, you know, uh, jokes and, uh, and comments that go around the table, right? Joining a planning room that once you know each other, everybody gets comfortable. You all know each other. You know what you can say to each other. Um, it's harder to achieve, right? Because that's all about physical, you know, body language, physical interactions, just getting to know people in in between sessions that you kind of don't have because you're not only in one room. You can't kind of have those little side conversations over a cup of coffee in the same way, you, you, you know, in that virtual world. So having some fun, building fun into those days. If you can't go out and have fun at the end of the day, um, is an important consideration as well. Yes. Well, listen, thanks. So um, are, are there um, are there any sort of links or, or further reading that you'd recommend to any of the listeners, which, which we can put in the show notes uh, for them uh, to find out more? So, look, I mean, I, I, I posted a blog about this on, on the Chaos site. Um, I think there's a few, you know, as a company, we've obviously done a few things like this around, you know, planning, product, uh, product planning. Um, so I think there's, there's, um, there's the Chaos site. Yeah, I think there's increasing amounts. You know, I kind of am a big fan of Medium and, and LinkedIn for finding information about. There's lots of people trying this, you know, so uh, looking at what other people are doing, uh, finding out other people are doing it. Um, it gives you new ideas of doing things. Um, yeah, uh, there's, there's there's more and more information, blogs, comments that, that are coming out of out of this, and I think that, you know love it or hate it whether it's safe or 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 less that those those organizations there's probably some value there because there'll be some shared best practices that come out of those organizations as they kind of work out how does this framework work in a covid world in virtual planning where we can't do those big planning events you know that right yeah so so i think i think that that there's a place there's a place there where there'll be ideas and, and shared best practice um yeah super Super. So, um, so any particular digital thought leaders that um, you'd recommend to people? So it's, it's funny. I'm, I, uh, so as I said at the beginning, I'm, I'm kind of really interested in strategy at the moment. So, yeah. so I, 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 you know, I've just been looking at Wardley maps, you know, and just looking at what does what can Wardley tell me about strategy? Um, Simon, Simon, Simon Wardley. Wardley the yeah. Wardley maps. So those are those are interesting. I think there's something there. Um, I'm a big fan of. Dave Snowden and Kenevin. Uh, that's that's that's. So I guess the 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 digital leaders for me uh, tend to be around strategy and delivery, right? And and how do you cope in this complex world? Um, st- still a big fan of of the work of you know Gene Kim uh, and the guys that are around Phoenix Project and uh, and and all that kind of stuff um, and, and the DevOps Foundation. Um, uh, and the other guys is is Mike Burrows and agenda shift and 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 kind of how do we how do we change the organisational mindset around delivery and, and that whole kind of shift left how do we push how do we push that quality you know front in the, into the process 
Um, so, so shifting left is what building quality further up front, further up, rather further than doing up. testing yeah. at the end. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So how do you so how do you build that into your you know requirements process? I I I, I was you know we kind of go back to that that the customer we've been working with. We kind of got a really efficient you know engine room, but the the feeding of stuff into that engine room was a challenge, and getting the stuff from that engine room into production was a challenge. Um, yeah. And I think that that's the that's the real. You can't just focus on the planning event. You've got to focus on what's coming into the planning event and how do you make sure that the value from that planning event, the working software you're building, gets into production quickly, over sufficient, you know, it's high enough quality to get into production quickly. So that's that's the other thing I'm kind of I'm really interested in is what's the work we're doing to make sure that from the moment the requirements are written, we're building quality in. Or the stories written, we're building quality in from there. From that point, brilliant, brilliant. Well, um, Andy, uh, that's been a massively informative, uh, eye-opening. Um, I don't know, nearly an hour for us. Um, and uh, you know, as somebody, I think maybe we've been on a similar journey. I was massively, massively apprehensive about uh, the lockdown when it started, and how on earth would I be facilitating and getting stuff done. Um, and it, it seems as though you found a really great approach, uh, sort of a process, a person, um, a product and vision focused uh, approach to getting planning done in really difficult circumstances across multiple time zones. Um, so thank you for for sharing your insights there and also where people can find out more. So um, we've got uh, we'll have all of that in the show notes for people. Um so thanks for making the time and joining the show today. Thanks for your time too, Kieran. It's been good to Great. talk to you.